The first thing my dad does when he gets up is go make the coffee. Okay, who wants coffee? I want some coffee. Okay, first I smash the beans. Then I mix them up. And then I pour some cream. And then I heat it up. And then I drink it. Here you go. This is delicious coffee. Thank you. Next he fixes the car. Wrench. Here you go. Oh, nail. Um, light bulb. All done. Then he probably has to fix the sink, too. Hand me a hammer. Bang, bang, bang. Hand me a pipe. Hand me a popsicle. Why do you need a popsicle? Because it's delicious. He likes to cheer at my sports games. Yeah, kick that ball. Score a basket. Goal! Then he grills the food. What are you grilling us for dinner tonight? Hamburgers. Hot dog. Mac and cheese. Cheese. Mashed potatoes. Strawberries. Raspberries. Blackberries. Mmm, sounds great. Then he prays for dinner. Thank you for our cat. Thank you for our friends. And thank you for the world. The friendship never ends. Amen. After dinner, we played games. I played Uno. You want to play Uno? Sure. Yep. A blue five. I have a blue two. A green two. Draw four, 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 draw four. You have to draw 5,024 cards. Then he tells me a story at bedtime. Once upon a time, there was a dragon in the castles. He is a fire-breathing dragon and an ice-breathing dragon. And they all live happily ever, ever after. The end. My dad always encourages me. I'm so proud of you. I'll always be there for you. I love you and Jesus loves you very much. You are a really great kid. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. You're the greatest. Yep, thanks, bye. See you later. Break a leg. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how to follow that up. Ron, where do you get these videos? All right, well, happy Father's Day to... All you fathers out there, I called my father this morning and woke him up. I called him pretty early and uh, told him Happy Father's Day. And you know, it's a blessing if you have a father that um, loves you. And um, I know many of you have, have fathers who probably are um, out of state and uh, maybe have um, some that uh, are in heaven with the Lord already. And you're looking forward to that reunion. So uh, Father's Day, just like Mother's Day. I kind of view those as Father's Day and Mother's Day are every day. And um, we uh, celebrate them in the United States, you know, once a year. But, but our fathers and mothers are worth celebrating all the time. And if you, if you grew up in a Christian home, what a privilege uh, you had uh, growing up. And I did, and I'm thankful every day for that privilege. I had a wonderful time with the youth. This last week, 
Um, it was just a tremendous time with the youth and the youth leaders. And I wanted to tell you that is straight fire, for real, for real. No cap. And you older folks have no idea what I just said. I didn't know what I was saying. I still don't really know what I'm saying. But it's uh, language from our youth. It's slang. And straight fire, for real, for real, no cap just means we had a great time. (laughs) And that's the way I take it anyway. And that's not a lie. That's the truth. And uh, I enjoyed spending time with those students. Uh, Teresa and I were privileged to be with them for uh, four or five days and just really, really appreciate the time that we had with them. And um, be sharing a little bit more in a few minutes about that. Um, I wanted to just spend some time uh, praying before we start this morning. And um, one of the things I was telling the students, um, the Lord impressed on my heart as we started uh, each session was just to have some quiet time before the Lord. And um, we started out uh, every session that way. There were 30 students that went on the trip, and we took uh, six students every session. We had five sessions, and we just prayed for those students. And um, I encouraged them before we left to take those, that list of students and just pray for them Monday through Friday every day. Take those six, pray for those students. Um, I tell you, these students really gave me a lot of hope in terms of just, you know, for the future of the church. Um, these, these students love the Lord. I believe many of them do. And many of them want to walk with Him, live for Him. They just need encouragement. And uh, guess what? The rest of you that didn't understand all that lingo, that's your responsibility, is to uh, pray for those guys, to walk alongside of them, to do life with them. Um, I told the students at the end, I said, I, I came and I was 58, I went home and I was 48. So I, 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 I gained 10 years. They uh, have a lot of energy and um, they really love the Lord. One of my most special times with them um, was not the teaching piece with, with them as much as it was that last night. Um, you know, we just spent time there on the back porch and, and singing to the Lord and uh, just praising His name. And I just thank the Lord for that opportunity. And there a lot of sharing that went on. And, um, you know, we look at our world today and we get discouraged. We say, ah, there's nothing good going on. That's wrong. That's just wrong. There's a lot of good going on. In the name of the Lord. And these students really want to walk with the Lord. And they just need our encouragement to do that with them. And pray for them. So I encourage you to do that. I'm going to do that. Um, I've just really, really enjoyed my time and thank the youth leaders for just asking me to, me and Teresa to be a part of that. That was very, very special for us. So a little bit more I'll share <clears throat> before we get into our message today, but I wanted to just spend some time, just give you an opportunity right where you're at, just to spend a couple of three minutes just praying, asking the Lord to get, get your heart and your mind right before we have our time of worship together. You know, church is so formal. (laughs) Part of that drives me crazy. The part of it that it's like we just sit here and we're like this. It's like, let's praise the Lord. And there's so much to praise the Lord about. And part of that worship, part of that that worship in the early church was being devoted to prayer. And uh, that's what they spent their time doing. So I want to just take some opportunity right now. Just where you are, you just bow and ask the Lord um, just to, to minister to you today, and I'm going to do the same, and, and uh, then we will uh, pray together and uh, 
And the, the band will lead us in some worship. So just bow where you are. Lord, it's good to be able to just <clears throat> be quiet for a few moments and to get our hearts and minds right before you. Um, thank you for the privilege of being able to come to you um, as we want to. We thank you that the throne of grace has been opened up to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. and. Father, a lot of things that, um, that concern us in our world, um, but as I was reminded of this past week, there's a lot to be encouraged about, that even in the midst of a, a, a difficult world, there are uh, young people who are committed to you, who need the example and the encouragement of those of us who've been saved for a while and lived the Christian life. and Lord, we can't do the Christian life without you. We need you. We sing the song moment by moment, and we need you moment by moment. Father, we, uh, we can't do the Christian life without your Spirit that lives in us that belong to you. Father, I just want to um, take an opportunity this morning to pray for Grace and Pope. There's so many here that probably know that story about this young man who was, who was injured in, in a golf cart. And um, Lord, um, I, I just want to lift Grace and up to you. And Father, just pray for your will in that young man's life. Um, I want to pray for David and Jamie, uh, the father and mother, and then for his sister, uh, Emma. I just pray, Lord, that um, they would continue to be steadfast in their testimony for you. I thank you in just speaking with them that, that that's their mindset and um, as they walk through these, these uh, difficult times. So we just want to pray for them, pray for the church that ministers to them. And, uh, Father, that you would just, um, just work in this young man's life. Father, I want to thank you for the students that uh, here at Grace and the privilege that I had to do some life with them, and I just thank you for their concern uh, about spiritual things. Um, they're learning, and, and they're, they're trying to you know, figure all that's going on. And I just pray that your spirit would be the one they turn to and, and look to for guidance. 
I just thank you for them. I pray for all the students that went, the ones that could not be with us. We just pray for these students. They're, they're the church of today. Um, in a very short period of time, they'll be, be leading the church. And so I just pray for them. I pray that you would help them to walk with you uh, each and every day and be encouraged by you and by those of us who have been living the Christian life for a while. We want, Lord, for you to get all the glory today in, in what we do and what we say. And may what we do and say be pleasing in your sight. And all these things I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Morning, church. Great to see everybody. We're here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. Okay, let's all stand. Let's worship it.
Guys, it can't be Father's Day without uh, doing this next one, so you guys sing with us. Never alone. 
Can be seen. He sure is a good, good father. All the time. That's right. 
I can hear you when you're talking out there. Better be careful. I got good ears. All right, so our trip this last week, as I said, it was a really good time. And um, I've got a picture here of the group. Can't see that. I don't know how well you can see that, but that's our group. It's a Christian retreat center down in Panama City, uh, in Sunnyside specifically. And there were 30 students and then several leaders and uh, a couple of boys that were younger, Eli and Isaiah. Little Isaiah is the church baby. <laughs> that boy will travel. So, um, and he's held by just about every one of those students. Um, he just... He's a great little guy. Um, and then when we're down there, you know, there's lots of different things that we do. We have worship time together. We, you know, there's teaching around the Word. And, um, and then there's activities, right? We go to the beach and uh, do different activities. And, and one day we were playing um, kickball. kickball. I, you like kickball? When I was a boy, kickball was a big deal. And uh, I used to love to play kickball and I can honestly say in all the years I've ever played kickball, I've never seen anything like this. Um, but I, I thought it, we could share it just to kind of encourage, especially the person that's on the video, but encourage all of you that, hey, you're never too old to play kickball. Now, you don't know what's going to happen to you when you play, but let's go ahead and show that. This is... Um, Just one more time for effect, I think. Isn't that great? In case you don't know who that is, that's Megan Cooper. Megan, put your hand up, will you, Megan? That's Megan Cooper. And um, she loves to, to interact with the students. And she, I think she's just trying to set an example for them, right? Isn't that what was going on? And so... That, that ball was huge, right? And um, so, but we had a great time, and I just thought we should show that today just to try to encourage you guys that weren't there. You never know what's going to go on at a youth retreat, all right? Well, I need you to take your Bibles and go to the book of Colossians, chapter 4. Colossians 4. 1952, that's been a few moments ago, Albert Einstein was delivering a lecture on the campus of Princeton University. And a doctoral student asked the scientist this question, what is there left in the world for original dissertation research? And after a time of considerable thought, Einstein replied, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. Prayer is one of those subjects that is discussed, but I'm not sure how much it's done. Does that make sense? 
In other words, we talk about prayer, but how concerned are we about it? Today is Father's Day, and I was thinking about my three sons that the Lord gave to me and Teresa. There are things that you as a father look back on and and you wish, I wish I would have done that more. That just happens. It's just natural. It's human. Um, I did pray with my boys, but I wish I would have prayed more with my boys. Is that fair to say? I think my boys would probably say, that's fair to say, Dad. You know, you get so busy in life, you just miss out on the really, really good things. I think one of the really, really rich things the Lord has given us is the opportunity to commune with Him as individuals, but also to do that with our family and and with friends. This last week, the Lord reminded me of that. On the way down, um, He just impressed on my heart that we were going to start each session with prayer. You know, my desire was that the students would start praying out loud. Now, that's an intimidating thing for anyone, um, but much less a high school student. And by the end of the week, we had a few students that were praying out loud. How do you talk to the Christian community about prayer? Right, I was thinking about that this week. How do you do that? Because it's a subject that people almost, before you even begin to say anything, like, ah, I know I need to do that. Well, I'm thinking if Einstein said what he did, how concerned should we as Christians be about prayer? Prayer does change things. We don't change things, but the Lord does. I mean, how many times have you prayed for something not believing and the Lord answers it anyway? One of the great stories that my wife has about her family is her grandfather who was 90 years of age before he came to Christ. He lived one year for Christ. I can tell you that. But for 60 years, his wife prayed that he would come to know Christ. Prayer changes things. F.B. Meyer said this about prayer. The tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. I like that statement. Now, when we think about prayer, we think about God answering our prayers. It's almost like a a list that we present. And if he doesn't follow through with the entire list, then something's wrong with God. Well, let me just say from the very beginning, nothing's wrong with God. But we pray how? According to his will. You know, one of the greatest, I think, lessons for fathers is the lesson of prayer. I've learned over my life as a Christian that It seems as if, so I'm saying it seems as if women are much more inclined to prayer than men. I don't know that you could say that across the board, but it's been something that I've witnessed as an individual, as a Christian. Once a month, on Mondays at 10 o'clock, 
I personally witness ladies coming into this building faithfully committed to praying for the persecuted church. The last Monday of every month, they'll be here. I know that. They're in that room right out here. And they're faithfully praying for people. This is what amazes me partly. For people they will never meet. They will never necessarily know them as individuals. But they know what God says about about prayer and they pray. Isn't that good? That's good. That's good stuff. You know, we get excited about a lot of things in life. And I get excited right along with you. But isn't, isn't prayer just a privilege? Isn't it a privilege to go before the throne of grace? And it's a throne of grace. And the reason that we're able to come before that throne of grace is all because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to do something today. I'm going to give you a lesson, even though you might already be checked out or you're going to check out because it's a lesson on prayer. I'm going to give it to you anyway because that's what the Lord wants me to do. And I want to show you three things that Paul says about prayer in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. One of the things you come to know as you read through Pauline literature is the first couple of three chapters of his letters tend to be about our position in the Lord Jesus Christ, about all the blessings that we enjoy in Christ. And when you come to the latter half of Paul's letters, many times he's talking about just practical Christian living, how to flesh things out in the Christian life. And I think this is one of those where as fathers and as families, we can learn from Paul's instruction to a church. Now remember in the context of of Colossians, this is a first century church who was facing the obstacles in their world like a polytheistic culture, like a culture that was committed to many, many gods. And yet Paul is saying to this group of Christians, you be devoted in praying to the one living true God Isn't it great that we pray to a living God, not some piece of wood or some piece of metal, but to the living God, the God of all creation? That's who we pray to. And we know this about the God of all creation, who we pray to. He never sleeps and he never slumbers. He's fully aware of your life. And let me say this, every piece of your life, fully aware of it. You hear people say from time to time, well, why should we pray then if he's fully aware, if he knows all things, because he tells us to? (laughs) It's it's got to be more simple than just he tells us to, or more complex. It's simple. He tells us to pray, so we pray. And that's what Paul was doing here with these believers in Colossae. Look at chapter 4, verse 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So he's got three things that he's going to say to these believers. And it's very important, I think, to begin where Paul does, that we as believers should pray with commitment. That's what he's saying. First of all, he uses the word devote. There should be a commitment in the Christian life to prayer. Now, if you read this, just this verse, without understanding what Paul's already said in the letter, you might think, 
Man, who's this guy think he is? I mean, he's just always telling Christians what to do. But he doesn't say, do this without it being true in his own life. It was true in his own life. The Apostle Paul had a faithfulness. He had a commitment to prayer. That word devotes an interesting word in the original language. Did you know that out of the several times it's used, it's used over a dozen times. Half of those times is in the context of prayer. (laughs) Devote, 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 devote. We are to be devoted to prayers. We're to be steadfast in our commitment to prayer. And that's what Paul tells these believers in Colossae. But then it was true in his own life. Chapter 1, verse 9. So he doesn't start with, hey, you need to pray. He starts with, hey, we have not ceased to pray for you. You say, Thad, that's more than just one person, the we. You're right. If you go back up in the letter, it begins, Paul and Timothy. Paul and Timothy. They were committed to praying for these believers. Who's on your list? Who's on your list? You know, I love the prayers of Paul. Paul had many on his list. He was faithful to pray for the believers in Colossae and Philippi and Ephesus. Over and over again, he talks about that commitment to prayer. And if you read through the prayers of Paul for these churches, these aren't praying for Uncle Tim's foot, right, or Aunt Susie's headache, it's praying for the spiritual growth of these Christians. I'm praying, if you're going to put it in just a little phrase, I'm praying for their spiritual growth. I'm praying they'll grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. That was the prayer of many of the apostles in the New Testament. Grow, grow, grow. You want to grow, pray. You want to grow, pray. Paul was committed to that. In his own life. We see this commitment also. Just in New Testament language. Let me show you. Romans chapter 12. He's going through a list of responsibilities in the Christian life. He says this is what you'll be doing. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to what? Prayer. Guys listen to me. Prayer is communion with the Lord. It's communion with the Lord. It's time with him. You know that. Paul tells these believers in Rome, hey, be devoted to prayer. He says it in a different way, but the same thing in, in, to the Thessalonian believers, pray without ceasing. There's to be an attitude of dependence in the Christian life is what Paul is saying to the believers in Thessalonica. It's easy to depend on self. Very difficult to trust the Lord. And so Paul had his own commitment. Um, there was the language in the New Testament to other churches What's interesting is you find in the activity of the believers after the ascension of Christ, look at what's going on in that upper room. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to what? Prayers. (laughs) Same word. Same word. They were devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. You know, I've often heard this particular section quoted You know what happened? Well, the apostles were up in the upper room praying. They weren't by themselves. Check your head. They were not by themselves. Look at who was with them, right? There are others with them. Um, 
I've said to you that <clears throat> I wish I would have prayed more with my boys when they were younger. You know, it's never too late to pray with your kids. No matter how old they are. Right? Is that all right? Right? My oldest son's 31. Nothing wrong with praying with my oldest son. My youngest son is 25. Nothing wrong with praying with my youngest son. There's a lot of activity out there that's good activity. But the discipline of praying with someone. When I do premarital counseling, a lot of times I'll talk to the couples about just, you know, reading the word together, praying together. I'll say this. In my, in my marriage, the Wednesday, Teresa and I will be married 38 years. I asked her to describe the 38 years in one word. You know what she said? Wow. I don't know if that was the 38 years or if it was about me. Either way, it's wow, right? You know, there's one thing I can depend on with her. There's a lot of things. Every day she prays for her husband. And you know, somebody's calling to say right now, pray for that. And you know, every day I need prayer. Every day you need prayer. She's faithful to do that. She has journals that for years she just writes her prayers and, and just praying to the Lord. And I haven't read them, but there's no telling what she's prayed about for her husband. But she's prayed for her husband faithfully. She's been faithfully devoted to that. And so you have a lot of devotion going on here right after the ascension of Christ. Wouldn't that have been kind of a, a, an uneasy moment? I kind of think so, right? An uneasy moment. We, we understand uneasy moments. Parents have them with their children, right? So when I counsel married couples, I talk to them about that prayer issue. That the greatest thing I've discovered is that prayer together is a really powerful thing. Um, in the early church, they were devoted to prayer. Look at this. After the church began, so... In the upper room, then in Acts chapter 2, you have uh, the early church praying. It says they were continually devoting themselves four different things. Apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and what? Prayer. And then Acts chapter 6 verse 4, it says, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So this issue of devotion... Right? That's where he begins with these believers. Devote yourselves, commit yourselves, make it something that's a regular habit in your life as a Christian. And Paul's not asking of them, you know, anything different that was than was true in his own life. So I think we get that issue of devotion. Be devoted. Think about the number of things just in your home that you're devoted to, that you're committed to, and then think about that in relationship to the context of prayer. Okay? So the first issue he deals with is being devoted to prayer. And then notice the second issue that he deals with. He says, pray with readiness. Look at what it says, chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. That's what you're to do. And he says, this is how you're to do it. Keeping alert in it. Keeping alert in it. This phrase is an interesting phrase. The word picture in this phrase is very interesting. It's the picture of a person who is sleeping, who rouses himself, right, to be awake and alert. You guys understand what that's about, right? You're, 
you ever been like sitting in your chair or laying on the couch and, and you're just going to take a few minute nap and you're like, I'm going to wake up in a few minutes and, and you just, you know, all of a sudden you feel like it's been eight hours. You ever done that, right? How long have I been sleeping? And it's only been a few minutes. Well, the idea is that the person who is, is dozing off is waking up with a sense of alertness, a sense of readiness. Wayne Barber, in commenting on this, said the tense of the verb emphasizes one that is, in, is continually in a high state of alert, right? A high state of alert. I want you to take your Bibles and go with me back to the Gospel of Matthew. I want to show you an example of this idea of being <clears throat> alert or watchful. And I want you to take your Bibles. Go back to Matthew chapter 26. We see in the life of Christ that this, this exact phrasing comes up. This exact phrasing comes up in the original language. Um, All right. Matthew chapter 26. The context in verse 36 is the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane. You're familiar with that. Right? Right before the cross. Right before the betrayal of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says, verse 36, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. Said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, who would have been what? James and John. And began to be grieved and distressed. You know, sometimes people read those words, grieved and distressed, and they go, Oh, Jesus couldn't be that. Yeah, he was. Remember, he was fully man, fully God, okay? He was grieved and distressed. The Bible says, Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. Same phrasing as Paul uses in the book of Colossians. Keep watch, be alert, be aware. That's the idea. He says, Be aware with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them praying. Is that what it says? He came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. By the way, don't be too hard on them. I'm not sure that we wouldn't be doing the same thing after long hours. And said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch, same word, awareness, alertness with me for one hour? Then verse 41, same phrasing, keeping watch and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so, you know, there's a lot on the line here. This is not something just real small in nature. There's a lot on the line. Look what it says, verse 41. Their spiritual condition is on the line. And so he's telling them, hey, look, you need to stay alert and you need to pray. And notice the Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. All right? I think we can relate to that, right? The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Paul used that same phrasing in his letters several times where he speaks about the spirit and the flesh. So... The Lord Jesus was asking of his disciples in a moment of distress, right? He was asking them in a moment of grief to keep watch and to pray. 
And so that same phrasing was used in the life of Christ, this idea of being alert, of being ready. It is consistent language also just in the New Testament itself. Paul, in the context of talking with the Ephesian elders in Acts 6, says, be on the alert, be aware, right? A lot of times you'll find this this issue of being alert connected to um, not only prayer, but connected to the spiritual battles that go on in the Christian life with the enemy, okay? And so he says, be on the alert. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he says the same thing, be on the alert. And then in the context of the armor of God, chapter 6, verse 18 of Ephesians, he says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the what? Alert. What does it tell us in that context that they were to do? They were to put on the full armor of God, right? Why? Because there's the enemy who is on the attack. And as Peter uses the language, he's like a roaring lion. He seeks ones to devour. Because there needs to be in our life an alertness as it relates to um, prayer. You know what's interesting about this word, this phrase, keeping alert? That phrase was used in that culture. Listen to this. It was used to describe people who were carefully crossing a river while stepping on slippery stones. You ever been in a creek or a river and tried to go across it and fall? Any of you want to admit to that? You know, I'm kind of one of those guys that some risk I'm willing to take Others, I'm not, I don't like tall ladders. I've had to get on them, but that's a risky thing. But walking across a creek, when I read that, I thought, hey, I remember as a boy, you know, in Louisiana, going to the creek and trying to walk on slippery stones. You have to be aware, don't you? You have to be alert. You have to watch your every step, so to speak. And that's exactly what Paul is saying to these believers in Colossae. Listen, as you're praying, be aware. As you're walking across the slippery stones that are in life, be aware. That's what he's telling them, right? And so, first of all, he says, be devoted. Secondly, he says to be aware. I thought Spurgeon did a really great job of kind of summarizing this whole issue. He says, the Christian who is not alert to satanic attack is in for trouble. We're called to be in a continual state of spiritual awareness or spiritual alertness. All right? And so he says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert, being aware of your surroundings, knowing the enemy. The enemy doesn't like when we go to the Lord in prayer. And then notice he says, lastly, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of what? Thanksgiving. The New Testament speaks of this issue or this attitude of thanksgiving over and over again. In fact, in this same letter that Paul writes to the Colossian believers, look in verse 17 of of chapter 3. He says, just after he's told them, he says, hey, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. And then verse 17, look what he says. Whatever you do in word or deed or action, you could use the word action there. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Giving thanks through him. And that's the way we're able to do that. 
is because of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So, you know what happens in our lives. We go through hard stuff. And as we go through hard stuff, isn't one of the most difficult things to give thanks as we're going through (laughs) that hard stuff? Well, it's a good thing Paul didn't just talk about this one time. He talked about it over and over again. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, he says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And so the emphasis there is always. How does that hit you? How does always giving thanks hit you as an individual? But did Paul mean what he said? Right? Yeah, he did. In fact, there's a couple of other verses in which he talks about this very issue again. He says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. <laughs> there should be an R on the end of that prayer. And supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So there's this issue of giving thanks that's associated with this command to pray. That's, that's hard stuff. But then he says, in everything give thanks. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I was talking to the students a little bit this last week about the will of God. And... Uh, We know what the will of God is, don't we? We do. We know what God's will is. He clearly lays it out for us in the Bible. We don't have to guess about what the will of God is. When you get into the action points of these letters that Paul writes, he gives it to us. One of the sessions we talked about concerning the will of God was Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I was telling him, it's God's will... That we not be conformed to the world. Can we agree on that? Can we hold on to that? We were doing this sign. Hold on, right? We're holding on to the fact that God says we should not be conformed to this world. We hold on to that. It's true. As this last week, I was telling these students, I, the last session, I said, um, kind of use the visual from Hebrews that we're to hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. And I said, what are some things we can hold on to? Well, we start reviewing those things. We can hold on to the fact that God is the creator. We holding on to that, young people? Let me see your hands. We holding on to that? You see our young people? Right? Are we holding on to the fact that God has a plan in terms of opposite? You remember that? Right? We're holding on to that. He created man and woman. And the only way possible for two to become one flesh biblically is man and woman. And the word in the Hebrew, suitable, is the word opposite. So we're holding on to that truth. That God has given us a plan and the plan is opposite. That's God's plan. So we're holding on to that. We're holding on to the fact that because of Adam's sin, there was separation. Right? There was separation. But then we're holding on to the fact that that God made a way of salvation through Jesus Christ. We holding on to that, young people, right? There's only one way to God, and that's through Christ. And then we got to the Romans part, and I say, hey, are we going to hold on to the fact that God says we should not be conformed to this world? We're going to hold on to that. That's what God says, right? Who wants to argue with God? I don't. This is what he says. And then we, then we said in that same passage in Romans 12, 
He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? How are we transformed? By the renewing of our minds. Right? That's how we're transformed. And so we, we began to talk about, hey, this, we know this is God's will. When it comes to prayer, we know this is God's will. In everything we're to give thanks. Does that mean we're going to understand it? No, it doesn't mean that. And I know that some of you are older than me as a Christian. And you've been through stuff. And when it says, in everything give thanks, that's difficult to do. But in my life personally as a Christian, I can say there have been hard things that have happened. I haven't always at that moment in the hard thing given thanks. But you know what's happened to me? I'm just talking about my life. I know what the Word says about giving thanks. I'm going through this hard situation. I'm not ready to do that. And as I get further down the road and I look back, I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. It's not always easy to do. But I think we can do that because of who He is. That He's in control. That He's on the throne. And that does not change. And so it's clear from the Scriptures that we are to give thanks in everything. There's a quote here. Half of the quote is by J. Dwight Pentecost and half of the quote's by Calvin. Calvin is me, just in case you're wanting to know. My middle name is Calvin, right? I sent a little memo out to the elders recently. I signed it, Calvin. <laughs> kind of threw him off, I think. But anyway, uh, J. Dwight Pentecost wrote these words, and I just began thinking through what he wrote, and I just wrote some other things, and it's probably not obviously as good as Pentecost, but this is what I wrote. He said, Thanksgiving in our prayer life looks back to what we know of God in the past. What do we know about him? What do we know about God in the past? Just from the scriptures. Class, what do we know? He's faithful. He's forgiving. What? He's loving. He's good. We sang about that today. He's good. He's gracious. He's sovereign. He's merciful. You know, it's good to do good little activity when you're caught in the midst of struggle and turmoil and, and just an uneasiness. That's pretty good, isn't it? To recall the faithfulness of God. You think about the life of Israel, how many things they could go back to and say, man, God was there. He was faithful. I'm not always faithful. He was faithful. You know, we're parked against the Red Sea and, hey, nowhere to go. And God says, not a problem. Got that, right? You think about individuals in the Bible. I think about Daniel and about his faithfulness. And, and right, I mean, I look at it and I go, wow, how did Daniel do that? He knew, he looked back, he knew who God was. Why in the world, after, after the king hand, handing down that edict, was, was Daniel willing to just con- commit, stay committed to being devoted to prayer? Because he knew who God was. He was able to look back. This is who God is. He's a faithful God. So Pentecost said, Thanksgiving in our prayer life looks back to what we know of God in the past. And this is what I wrote. Thanksgiving lives each day with an attitude of thankfulness for what God is doing. What's God doing in your life right now? 
Can you answer that question? How is the Lord challenging you in prayer? How is the Lord challenging you with this attitude of being thankful? How's that look in your life? Because there's lots of turmoil in people's lives. There's heartache, hardships. So I just put lives each day with an attitude of thankfulness for what God is doing. And God is doing something. I want you to know he encouraged my heart with these students. God is working in the lives of our students. We need to rejoice in that. Get these looks on our faces there. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Right? Because he's doing amazing things in the lives of these young people. We need to pray for them. And then I wrote that not only lives each day with an attitude of thankfulness for what God is doing, but looks to the future with great anticipation. I, I love this last part. Great anticipation of being in the very presence of the one to whom we give thanks. So, man, what are we going to do for eternity? I kind of think this thanks part's going to be a big part of that, right? And um, I'm always reminded that the one, and it's a song, I think Scars in Heaven is the song. But I'm always reminded when I think about this that the one in heaven without the scars is going to be the Lamb, or with the scars is going to be the Lamb of God who's taken away the sins of the world, who died in your place who was buried, who rose again. So we can make it through difficult times because of the Spirit of God who lives in us. And we need to be thankful, even in the hard times. Lord, please help, please help us to be that way, right? How many of you are familiar with um, Franklin Graham? How many of you are familiar with his life? He was always following the Lord, wasn't he? His mother, her name was Ruth. I read this story. It was an, when I read it, I just couldn't believe I was reading it. I had to go back and read it two or three times going, okay, wow. She was overseas on a trip with Billy. And one night, she just woke up in the middle of the night. She was torn apart, her version of it, just torn apart by worry for Franklin. Because he was a rebel. And he was living that way. And she was worried about him. It's the middle of the night. When she wakes up overseas. And she was in the bed. And she's trying to pray. But she just was so exhausted. She knew that even though she was really exhausted. Because of what was on her mind. She wasn't going to be able to go back to sleep. And she, this is her testimony. She wrote these words. Suddenly the Lord reminded me of all the blessings that I had in knowing Him. Now, if you've ever been through, going through a rebellious child, that's a, that's a very difficult thing to do. And children and young people, when you're rebelling, your parents tell you, hey, I love you and I care about you and I'm concerned about you and I'm praying for you. You know what? All that's true. It's very difficult. But she was reminded of all the blessings of knowing him. And so it brought her to, interestingly enough, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And she read them. And she realized immediately what was missing. Because she had been faithful to pray for her son. But she realized after reading Philippians 4, 6 and 7, 
that there was something missing in her prayer life. You know what was missing? Thankfulness. She wasn't thankful. You say, Dad, Franklin was rebelling. Well, listen to what her words were. She wrote this. I began to thank God in the midst of his rebellion for just giving me Franklin. I don't know how that hits you as a kid, a young person. But I am very thankful for my Caleb and my Micah and my Andrew. I'm just thankful for them. So I'm reading that and I'm like, yeah, she's just being thankful as a mom. So she began to thank the Lord for just giving me Franklin. She says, the one I love so much were her words. She said, I even began to thank the Lord for the difficult spots which had taught me so much. You know what happened? She says, it was as if someone turned on the light in my mind and heart and the fears that had been gnawing at me stopped. That's when I learned that giving thanks or worship and worry cannot live in the same place. <laughs> you know, I read that story I'm like, hey, I'm going to read that again. Hey, I'm going to read that again. And then I'm going to share it with the people because that's real life stuff, right? And you may have rebellious teenagers. You may be going through a financial crunch. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know. Paul knew what was going on in the lives of the believers in Colossae. He knew all the things they were facing, the false teaching, the culture that, that was not a culture committed to Christ, just like the culture we live in today. But that didn't stop him from saying, hey, look, this is what we do. We pray for you unceasingly, and this is what you need to do. You need to be devoted to pray. I want to leave you with three things to walk it out is what I call it. It's a new phrase. I was thinking, this is different lingo. Walk it out. I've heard that phrase before. There are three things that I want to leave you with this morning. The first thing is pray for an unceasing devotion to commune with the Lord. That's one, I think, good application for us. Pray that we would have an unceasing devotion to commune with the Lord. All right. And secondly, pray for an awareness of what is going on in your life as a Christian. What's going on in your life as a Christian? But then be involved in the lives of your brothers and sisters in Christ to the point of knowing how to pray for them. Right? And that means this, guys, I got to get involved. I got to get right in the space of other people. I tell these young people, one of the things we know that's God's will is God's will that we assemble together. And if you see someone not assembling together, you need to get in their space. You do. You say, that, that's just... No, you do. Do you care? Right? I had a few of them like, yeah. Oh, I can do that? Yeah. Get in their space. In love. Right? Don't take your Bible and beat them over the head and say, why, why haven't you been here? The best way to love on someone who's not assembling with them is to be in their space and to love on them and you know what? Even to pray with them, not pray at them, pray with them. Hey, what's going on in your life? How can I pray 
with you, right? So be involved in the lives of your brothers and sisters in Christ to the point of knowing how to pray for them. And then thirdly, pray with an attitude of thanksgiving, being fully aware of the fact that nothing happens in our lives without God being fully aware. He's fully aware of what's going on in our lives. When I was growing up in Louisiana, um, I was just blessed to have so many people in my life as a young man. One of those men, his name is Gerald Merchant. Gerald Merchant. And Gerald Merchant is one of my longtime friends. If he was to walk in the room, we'd pick it up like we, you know, just saw each other five minutes ago. You got friends like that? About 10 years ago, my phone rings, and it's Gerald Merchant. And he's a, just a matter-of-fact guy. He said, hey, Thad Blunt, I'm praying for you. It's not, hey, Thad, how you doing? What's going on in your life? Thad Blunt, I'm praying for you, and I want you to know that I love you. How many calls do you get like that? Very few. But Gerald Merchant, and he told me this. He said, Thad, you know what? I woke up today. I was talking with the Lord, and the Lord brought you to my mind. And he said, I had a choice. I could ignore it, or I could call you. I chose to call you. Thad Blunt, I'm praying for you. Do you know what we need from each other? A genuine interest in each other's lives. Are you listening to me? A genuine interest. Because all of us go through stuff. We all have stuff, right, in our lives that interrupt us. We like it. I tell the young people this. We like when the road is straight and things are just clear as can be, right? No issues. But when there's a bend in the road, man, that makes me uncomfortable. You know, it's almost this way. When I'm walking down that straight path, let's just be honest. When we're walking down that path and everything's clear, what's the tendency? Maybe not to commune with God as much because things are okay. But when, that, when there's that bend in the road, it's like, uh-oh. My encouragement to all of us would be not to wait to get to the bend in the road, but that we would faithfully commune with our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, there's so much activity in our life. Things that take time. Family takes time. Jobs take time. Um, Sports, extracurricular activities take time. You know, one of the real blessings, Father, that we have in prayer is that we don't have to wait to get to a certain place to pray. We can pray right where we are. We might be in the middle of an athletic event and you put something on our mind and so we pray. We might be with our family. We might even be eating lunch. And, and somebody comes to mind, well, we can pause and we can pray. It doesn't even have to be out loud. We just say, hey, Lord, you've got this person on my mind. I'm praying for them. 
Father, I thank you for showing me that in my own life where when people come to my mind, I know it's not an accident. You bring those folks to my mind for a reason. Many in here where I've been driving or reading or sitting somewhere or mowing the yard like I was yesterday and different people came to my mind and I just started praying for them. I don't know what's going on in their life. But I pray that you would help us to to understand, to be aware of the fact that the enemy is there and he's ruthless and he wants to interrupt that communion. And Lord, we need that. We need that in a really, really bad way. I pray that we would take the instruction of Paul, that we would be committed to prayer, be aware of what's going on as we're walking across slippery rocks. And that our attitude would be one of gratefulness. Gratefulness because we know at the end of the day, you know everything going on in our lives. So I pray we would renew that commitment today to commune with you and all these things. Uh, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Guys, we're going to close with a song that uh, I'd say as a church body, it's one of our favorites. So let's all stand and close together. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was Black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men. My example is He, living He loved me, dying He saved me, buried He carried sins far away. Rising, he justified, freely forever. One day he's coming, oh, glorious day. Oh, glorious day. One day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on a tree, suffering anguish, despised and rejected, bearing our sins by Redeemer is he. Living he loved me, dying saved me. Sins far away, rising he just Runs 
Sing it out. Sound for his coming. One day the skies with his glories will shine. Wonderful day, my beloved ones bringing glorious Savior. This Jesus is mine. Living in love, he saved me. take some time to pray for our group that's going out um, to Portugal. So I'm going to ask that team to come up front. If they would please come to the front. And we want to take some time to pray for them uh, this morning. And um, so this, this is the group here. Michael's out greeting. We'll pray for Michael, okay? We're still going to pray for Michael. Okay, and um, so we want to pray for them on their trip. When do you guys head out? Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay, so we want to pray for those guys and just for their safety, uh, for their ministry that God would give them. Also, uh, want to continue to pray for the England group. They're over there. Uh, Robbie and Gina had an interesting time getting over there. They've run into some things with their luggage and all that kind of stuff, and there's a whole long story to it. But uh, they're over there. They just need clothes. So we're going to pray that their uh, clothes get to them. Now, they might stink after a little while, but we want to pray for them, pray for the team uh, that's, that's already over there. And thank the Lord for the safety of the Texas team and Belize team and being able to minister. And just, it's just wonderful to see all these folks going out and we want to pray for them. And, and um, I'm going to ask Steve Bartlett to come up here, if he would, and pray for those guys. And also, I just ask you to pray this week, actually this afternoon, my wife and I are, heading down uh, with our grandchildren. We need a lot of prayer there, too. But uh, we're heading down to Louisiana to uh, Camp Pearl. And uh, I'll be speaking to the senior high students there. There's, I don't know, anywhere from 100, 125 students. And I'm um, just looking forward to, um, to sharing with them. Probably never seen most of these kids ever again in my life. And so it's like, uh, what are you going to give them? I'm going to give them the truth. I'm going to give them. So you, you pray for that, for safety going down. You can smell Louisiana. Like when you get close to the border, 
mm, that gumbo and etouffee and all that good stuff just start, you know, rising. It's kind of like going to Arkansas. You smell that pig. So, um, but anyway, if you guys could pray for uh, us, I'd really, really appreciate that. And so, I just think we just need to be thankful for all these teams, you know. I mean, just what an opportunity. And we look forward to hearing from them on, um, on July the 30th. We're having a fellowship that day, but part of that whole day is going to be around listening to the testimonies of these four trips that, have already, that are taking place, Portugal, England, Texas, Belize. We look forward to hearing. We're going to do that during Sunday school and church. And um, so y'all pray about that. It'd be a really, really excellent day, I think, just to give testimony to the Lord. So Steve Bartlett's going to close us. And uh, when he finishes uh, praying for the team, uh, then you'll be dismissed. All right? Let's pray. Lord, I just think of all the times that you've turned bad things into good. It's almost beyond our comprehension that it's possible. But you demonstrate over and over again that you are God. And we don't always understand that. But we seek to obey you. And you've told us to go out and spread your word. And we pause this morning to pray for these teams who are doing just that. We want to remember the team in England and the hardships that they might be facing. But there we know that you will turn out those bad things for good. We know that your word does not go out without fruit. We pray that you would allow them to see some of the success of what they do. And as this team before us leads out to Portugal this week, we pray the same thing for them. There may be difficulties involved in the travel, difficulties in the reception of your word. But we know that when you're involved, good things happen. And that's what we pray will happen with this team as well. Help us to remember to pray for them while they're gone, that we might be faithful in what you've commanded us to do as well. And it's in the name of Christ we ask these things. Amen.